Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. Like usual, there's, we'll just... Yeah, there's no rhyme or reason to this podcast. No, no, no. We're just, we just We're clock just starting. in. We just, <laughs> we just hop on the phone and press record. We do. Um, so, you know, I mentioned to you this on the phone that I had taken um, a some supplemental work uh teaching building and teaching courses in media writing for a university in the Midwest. Um, it was all supposed to be remote and the classes themselves are also remote. So, um, I, I think in part I was unaware, I was unaware of a lot, lot of things. And I think primarily the only reason that I said yes to it in the first place, which, you know, we'll talk about this in, in, in a subsequent episode, but like, know why you're saying yes or no to a thing and don't let it be like, oh, I need the money. Um, and there are a lot of things that you might have to do for money. And I think by and large, probably none of them are worth it. Ultimately, at the end of the day, <laughs> I, that's a ridiculous thing to say because like, God, we, you know, money is critical and like we've got to survive and live and pay our bills. And I know that and I understand it but I think it's just ruining us. So I said, yes. Oh, yes. Ended up in this prolonged process of building these uh, courses and realized waist deep in the process where I, that I was like, oh I, oh, I don't like doing this at all. I don't like this at all. And of course, instantly, um, like my hus the hustle culture, you know, the hustle mentality was, was tripwired and I automatically was like, got to power through, uh, got to find, you know, got to find the time. I got to manage my time better. I got to get up earlier. I got to, you know, plug it in here. I got to, you know, streamline whatever the process and where, while I was incrementally getting further and further along getting the work done, I was also just getting deeper and deeper and deeper into stress so deep that when uh, we were watching TV or something and like Anna like reached up behind me to like squeeze my shoulders and I felt so much pain because of all the tension that had metastasized in my shoulders and neck that I like, I like scream, I like shouted in pain. Um, and I think that was the point where I was like, oh, I can identify what the stressor is and the the impact that it's had on my physical body is not good. Well, and I mean, I think we grow up in a culture, you, you probably grew up somewhat similarly to me where, you know, I had two parents who worked really regular jobs and, you know, just did what they had to do. They were not pursuing passions. They were just doing the typical nine to five to get by um, any creative endeavors. Like my mom is a wonderful piano player. My dad's a phenomenal artist and writer. And, you know, those were always. Your dad's a poet, correct? Oh, my God. Yeah. Just like so talented. And I've said my whole life to him, like, you have to write 
a book. You have to write a book. But he's like, no, 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 you're the writer. And it's just really funny because, you know, they always had just kind of, quote unquote, stable jobs. And then my brother, who is four years older than me, um, so he's 44, uh, has had the same job teaching since he graduated college at 20. He graduated at 20 and has had one job his whole life. And so my the models around me were just like, oh, you know, it's revered to keep a job, to stay married, to keep a relationship, to keep friendships, to keep a house, to stay in your comfort zone is normal. And you just have to do what you have to do to make money. And in in my little reptilian brain, like growing up, I'm like, no, like, (laughs) doesn't that doesn't not only does it not feel right. This is my, you know, one precious life. And I don't want to just do one thing. So I think in our culture, we look at quitting as is not great, you know, and I think quitting can be as beautiful as saying yes to something or as starting a business or an accomplishment like quitting leads to change always, always leads to change and change is what brings us growth. And, you know, I'm going to be really open here. Like, you know, a couple years ago before we started Right Way, Alex, my husband had a very comfortable senior UX job and getting paid six figures, you know, health insurance, all these things. He wasn't happy anymore doing it. He'd been doing um, doing it at that company for three years. And he they just stopped having him be a designer. And he was just like kind of a cog in a wheel going to a bunch of meetings. And he wasn't being creative. And he is a true creative. So he chose to quit that job before we had Right Way up and running. And actually, when we first met, he he had a normal job. I was personal training, and he quit that to become a freelance designer. And while I think it's amazing to just be like, fuck it, I'm doing this, I'm quitting, I think where the danger comes sometimes, and, and for him, he's experienced this, we've talked a lot about it, he will make the jump sometimes or the leap without having any sort of like side hustle or safety net. So it leads to this intense stress where it's like, oh, fuck, we, we've we got to just take anything that we can for money. And I think like there is a strategy to quitting and there's a strategy to doing it when it comes to work where you won't be super, super stressed out. Um, And you can, or, you know, if you're super passionate, you want to transition, you can start building that side hustle, improve the concept and, and not put all that pressure on yourself. Um, But when it, when it comes to relationships, I remember, you know, I, I've been married before I got married um, at 22, like an idiot to a man 12 years older than me. And, you know, It it was just, it was a kind of a disaster from the beginning, but I remember, you know, I wrote a, I wrote a book once we got divorced, um, kind of about ending relationships and infidelity and all this stuff. And during that time, I, I had a lot of friends who also were kind of in the same boat wanting to end their marriages But it's like the logistics kept them from, quote unquote, quitting that or the commitment that they had made or, you know, just just because you're married, like can't possibly ever, ever get a divorce or it'll be seen as a failure. And I think quitting is often 
seen like a failure. And so I would do this exercise where before I got divorced, I would play it out. Okay, what is the money situation gonna look like? What am I going to have to do once we are split up? You know, I hadn't been on my own in my 20s ever. And so I played all of that out. I played out the worst case scenarios. I kind of just made a roadmap before I actually took the plunge. And I think that can be really helpful sometimes in a situation like for you, if you quit the course, like I think we get caught up in emotions sometimes or just like, oh, my God, I do not want to do this for one more second. Um, But when money is tied to it, I think if you can like, you know, take a second, remove the emotion from it, figure out what the consequences are going to be for for quitting and kind of play that through and then still quit if that's truly what you want to do. But just easing the the backlash, I think, is super important, at least in my experience. Well, and I totally agree. And I I, I, I mean, I love so much of what you said, but and, and I think obviously there are times when you feel like you want to quit something and you you sh- you maybe shouldn't or right. or there's a yeah a like quitting voice. motherhood quitting motherhood <laughs> quitting are, you know there are days there, <laughs> there are so many different voices at work all the time but I think culturally and from like from external influences I love you know when you were talking about kind of being surrounded by those like models that were sort of like counter to what what you wanted out of life uh, you said you know we're we're raised to to say you, you got to do what you got to do. Right. And I think we've interpreted that tiny soundbite to mean like, you got to stick it out. Right. You got to stick it out. Dirty. You got you to sweat through it. You're going to have to, you know, you got to find a way. And sometimes doing what you got to do is fucking quitting. Oh my That's gosh. That's yes. the truth. And it's quitting yes. projects. It's quitting jobs. It's quitting relationships. It's quitting roles that don't fulfill you anymore. It's quitting uh, you know, certain communications, it's quitting, you know, habits. It's, you got to do what you got to do encompasses way more than just like biting your lower lip and trying to grind it out or suck it up. I mean, like why, why do we live in a culture where it's like, suck it up and, and just get it done or, or that we have structured our working lives specifically where we will do things for money that we don't even like. I mean, 90% of us, I feel like, have had jobs or stayed in a job or gotten a position that you're not passionate about and that you don't want to do, but you're just doing it to make ends meet. And same thing for marriages. I mean, or not even marriages, just like long-term relationships. Like, if you are miserable in a long-term relationship and staying together for your kids or for, you know, the sake of a piece of paper that someone gave you, like that, I mean, again, that's a very personal choice, but is that what you really want? Or are you just comfortable? Are you comfortable in the status quo? Are you comfortable with making that steady paycheck? And if the answer is yes, and you are fine with that, then great. But I think a lot of us, there are so many things. If we took inventory of our lives, there are so many things that we should probably quit um, that we don't even question. Oh my God. I mean, I mean, that's so absolutely true. And we don't, we don't question it because I think there, I think quitting abs, I mean, quitting is taboo, obviously of course, uh, in our society. 
and and also we fear i mean we're driven to stick it out we would rather endure the incredible stress of sticking something out uh than the release of of quitting because we fear reprisal we fear you know what man we're such a fucking puritanical culture or, or we're we're so influenced by our puritanical roots because we fear punishment we fear like the reprisal from quitting we think that somehow quitting has to result in us now are there consequences to quitting fuck yeah but what you just said is so perfect what we don't do and, you know, this is this, I mean, it's such an interesting conversation because like all of this stuff, it's so about the arm wrestle between our evolved brain and our animal brain. Uh, we don't stop to think. No. We don't no. stop to assess. We don't do exactly what you're talking about, which is like, hey man, play out, play it out. Play out the scenario, play out the worst case scenario, play out the best case scenario, both of which have equal odds of happening. And find what you can live with and find what you can't, what you can't live without, you know? Exactly. Um, I used to tell people that for when they were um, considering cheating on a spouse or a partner, you know, and you're so lost and just like the lust and the love feelings. I'm like, okay, let's play this out to the end. Let's play it out when the hormones wear off and you're paying bills with someone or you're living with someone or it becomes just as status quo as your current relationship, then what, you know, play it out to the end and just, just think things through. And I think, like you said, think, thinking is the most important part of this. And, you know, Alex and I have had a ton of conversations because for so long, he's been a designer, um, a designer in the sense of, you know, doing digital design or being behind the computer and he shines when he's using his hands, when he's doing stuff with fashion, when he's painting, when he's drawing. And we've had endless conversations around what he wants, like to sit and think and dream about what he wants. And I think for men specifically, you guys don't sit around and dream your dreams and, and, think about what you could be or what you want or your goals. It's, and, and, you know, that could be from like the primal brain and, and the way that you're wired, but I don't think men take a lot of time or feel like they have the time to <laughs> sit and think about what they want. And for Alex, he has realized like he's been so attached to being a designer, being a senior UX designer, being a graphic designer, being an illustrator, whatever, that he hasn't given himself the freedom to break from that, to quit that part and to explore something else. And he's kind of decided like he wants to be an artist. And I'm like, well, you realize that means you're going to have to like people and go network and do all these things. Um, but he's, you know, it lights him up. So it just, so, he's so excited by it. But when you look at design, it's like, oh, well, you know, you can make a lot of money in that. He's, you know, good at that. And it was the same thing for me. I was a personal trainer for over 15 years. I loved it. I was good at it. But there came a time in 2016 when I was grappling between, I was, I co-owned a gym here 
in Nashville and I was just so burned out. I, I knew I wanted to quit. I, I, I was there first thing in the morning. I was there at night and I was missing time with my child who was very little at the time. And I just knew it wasn't working for me anymore. It hadn't been working for me for a while. And I wanted to try this other thing. I wanted to go all in and writing. So I quit. I quit being a co-owner of a gym, which is kind of a, you know, kind of a big deal, walking away completely. And my business partner at the time was so understanding about it. And he's thrive. I mean, he's thriving. He's doing great. Um, But it was a huge monumental decision for me, but I did play it out. I was like, if I stay and I go this route, I, I just could see, like I knew where I was going. And then there was this unknown thing about really becoming an author and putting all my eggs in that basket. And I'm like, wow, if I had stayed as a trainer, stayed as a gym owner, all the things that I would have missed out on publishing four books, starting a company, helping dozens and dozens and dozens of clients with their books. Like it's been this completely different road that I've taken and it's definitely had its ups and downs. It's definitely had its challenges and setbacks. As all roads do. As all roads do, right? But it wasn't the safe choice and that's not right for everyone. And we're not sitting here saying like, you got to take, you know, big risks all the time. But I think with the the past two years with, you know, COVID specifically and just how we all kind of were on the same page. And a lot of us did take inventory of our lives and we quit all sorts of things. We quit jobs. We quit relationships. I quit a ton of friendships in 2020 and 2021 and kind of did this purge. But I feel like now that the world is, you know, quote unquote, open to the, to the for the most part, that people are returning to, oh, well, I just, I've, this is what I've got to do and returning to that hustle oh, culture. And it's like, what? We knee jerked wh- right yeah, back right to back. hustle culture. Like, what yeah, are they were all like, those oh, we lessons? got a vaccine. Guys, we got a COVID vaccine. Oh and everybody gosh. was like, all right, got to get back to it. No, and you don't. I mean, and that's, that's the thing is, is if you want to get back to it, great. But is that what you really want? Is that serving you in the best way. And, you know, when you look at our country and and look at the health statistics and look at the job market and all of these things, it's like, who is really living at as their best and highest selves? Who is performing at optimal health? Who is working the job or who has the career that truly lights them up and they are so excited to do every single day. I mean, not a lot of us. And I would say most people are not. Right. And why? Um, why no, is that okay? But why is that well, the I norm? Think I mean, that is is the question. I think like, you know, like uh just um referencing something you said about, you know, Alex kind of like confronting this idea of like quitting being a designer. We don't we don't conflate being and doing which I think is okay to do, we conflate being and profession. And I think it's super fucked up. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, every time I get a rejection with writing or a bad review or whatever, I mean, I'm kind of right where my clients are. And I'm like, God, should I? Is this a sign? Like, I shouldn't be doing this. Should I be doing something else? Should I just give up? And I think there's a very big difference between giving up 
and purposefully quitting something. A hundred percent. You know, and, and am I giving up because of ego and because I'm being hurt and because I'm tired of rejection or am I quitting because it's in my best and highest interest to do so and I want to go pursue something else? And I think those are really two important things to look at. And for me, every time I, you know, kind of have a setback in writing, I'm when I return to the page and I return to something I'm excited about, I'm like, this is this is where I belong for now. Um, I'm not close though to opening new doors in the future. I mean, I've, I've tried to play that out. Like, okay, if I walked away as a fiction writer or I, I decided to sell the business or close the business down, like what the fuck would I be doing? <laughs> you know? And I, I think I would really kind of pursue this holistic, you know, lifestyle that we already live, but really leaning into the breath work, to the meditation, to the movement, to the cooking, to the, homeschooling, like all of the lifestyle stuff that we do. But Alex and I recently had a conversation about, you know, it's so hard to quit sometimes, um, even things you're not getting paid for, like just the domestic part of your life or, you know, just things that you have to do to keep your life running smoothly. And we got in this big conversation about like just money in general, like why do we have to do anything to make money or why, you know, why is that so money is just this great big thing, like this block for so many of us that keeps us from our dreams, from our children, from spending quality time with ourselves, from working out, from meditating, from taking vacations, because we spend the bulk of our days and the bulk of our lives working Often jobs we don't even want to be doing. And why, why, why do we buy into that? And why have we structured our lives where more, like we need to make more because we have more and we're doing more than ever before? Um, I think that there's just a level of simplicity and scaling back and simplifying and stripping down that can happen when you quit and when you really start to look at what's important to you and what isn't, and I feel like for you, Joe, you've really done that with your lifestyle with, you know, moving to the mountains and really simplifying your daily life and how you spend your time. And, you know, you were living in New York not too long ago and it was fucking crazy. And now you've just really created this intentional life. And I think it's really beautiful. Well, and I appreciate you saying that. I, I mean, I, I th- and I think like, you know, and, and this is obviously like another like kind of heady concept, but like we're so attached in, mo- in modern society. We're so, 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 so attached. And I think we get so attached that we can't imagine that we could be satisfied without a certain thing. Oh my gosh. But I don't, Completely. but I don't think, I think we do that without ever going, what could I live without? Right. Or what could I live right. with? And now, and granted, like, my creature comforts are off the fucking charts. And like, <laughs> what I think I need to live is insane. So yeah. like, I think every time you sort of do pair back, you've got to then reassess. But there was a period of time, you know, after, after I got, I got divorced and left LA, which I never thought I'd get divorced and I never thought I'd leave LA. Um, and I even said to myself, like, what, like basically like, what would I do if I didn't live in LA? And, uh, I, I, I really had reduced myself to like living out of a, out of a bag. And you know what? 
it was fucking fine. It was fucking fine. It was actually awesome in, in a lot of regards. Now, like, do I recommend it? Would I do it all the time? Maybe not. But like, I really think we've stopped. We really aren't checking in with ourselves and being like, what do I need and what don't I need? Oh my we gosh. Don't, we don't yes. really do that. We go, we say to ourselves, what, what am I supposed to have? Yes. So, And what am I not supposed to have? I have a perfect story that illustrates exactly what you're saying. So when I, you know, I got married at 22, we lived in Chicago. I had, you know, my really crappy first novel come out, but I was building something. I was building a career. I was building a life. I loved living there. And my ex at the time, he was 12 years older. He was very, very focused on stability and money and all these things. So he actually took a job with my father and we had to move back to Nashville. And Nashville is not something that I ever, I I was like, no, I'm never going back there. I love the city. I love that life. So we moved from like downtown Chicago to this tiny little house, this little bungalow that we bought um, 10 minutes from where I grew up. And our marriage like went downhill very quickly because I had all this resentment. I did not want to live a domestic life. We, I made a deal. I was like, well, I will stay here for a year or two. I want to save a hundred thousand dollars so we can buy, put a down payment on a house in Chicago. And that is the only way I will do this. And he was like, deal. So I saved a hundred thousand dollars that first year we were here just by again, simplifying, not, you know, back then I didn't shop at Whole Foods. I wasn't like buying supplements. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. And so we saved that amount of money. And right before we were about to look for stuff in Chicago, my ex-sister-in-law found a house for us in a part of town called East Nashville that's so expensive now. And it was still a very transitional neighborhood. And it was, uh, the house was $400,000, which back then was pretty fucking expensive. And it would take that that money that we had saved. But when I walked in that house, it was like a 3,000 square foot house. It was amazing. And I was, I don't even know how old I was at the time, 25, maybe 24, 25. And I was like, oh, this is what a wife should, this is the type of like home that a wife should have. And I will, I'll be able to impress so many people and I'll be able to, to host. And, you know, I got so obsessed with the look of something and how something was supposed to feel that we said yes to it. And I remember the realtor telling us, This is a great investment unless you guys like get divorced in the next two years. And sure enough, I mean, it, our, our relationship so disintegrated, it like went downhill completely. So we got divorced and I decided one of my old roommates from Chicago, she was like, Hey, I'm living in this loft in Chicago with an artist and there's a room available. If you want to come be our roommate. Now, I had gotten so set in my ways and my creature comforts. My house was beautiful. I, we had a ton of money at the time. Like it was, I was so comfortable and was not taking risks. So we got divorced. I packed up my stuff in my little car and put a bunch of stuff in storage, got rid of a bunch of stuff. I left my two cats with him, put the house up for sale and drove to Chicago and lived in this like, It was a middle room of this loft. It didn't even have walls that went all the way up to the ceiling. And I didn't have anything. Like I had, I I, like literally had a bed and a desk and my computer and some books. 
and like just was freaking out that I had ruined my life. I'd made the wrong decision. What am I doing? I very quickly got offered this like ghostwriting gig in Switzerland. So I hopped on a plane and went over and wrote a book for this stranger and just really worked on finding myself. And the the following year, without all my creature comforts, without, you know, a ton of money, I was on my own for the first time, literally hands down the best year of my life. It was <laughs> so fun and just so scary and so adventurous. And I literally did not have a single thing that I thought I should have at that age. And I wasn't doing anything that I thought I would be doing. And I had no stability, no comfort. And I'm not saying people need to do that, but I would not trade that for the world. And the moment I came out- Because there was shit that was feeding your fucking, that was nourishing your fucking soul. Well, and, and I remember my ex always saying like, you will never make money as a writer. You will never- you will never make money, period. Like he he really kind of held that over me. And I, I think I had this real big chip on my shoulder for like, oh, I'll never be a serious writer. I'll never, I'll, you know, it's a hobby. It's a habit. It's this, it's that. And sometimes I think I, I do work so hard or hustle so much or, you know, try to hold on to that money because I have that that thing in me that that remembers feeling like I'm never going to make it doing what I love. And I have made it doing what I love. And while I'm not at the level, you know, I don't think any of us are really at the level we think we should be, but I think it's because I'm attached to to the label of what it means to be a, a truly well, successful you just said writer, it. right? Like You just said it, right? You also said like, I'm not at the level that I think I should be. Right, but who sa- who and who says that? Who says that? Who, who's, who's created you know, the level? Everybody else. Everything else has created the level. Right. And and yeah, uh, 100%. It, I mean, uh, and these are like it's like a non-stop like tr- it's like not it's like two trap doors. You just keep like falling through trap doors uh with uh, with this with this kind of shit, but I I think like you hit on something so awesome about your time back in Chicago after you left Nashville. And we saw each other. And, we had we had we, we saw each other. There was like one time where yes, you were single, yes. I was single and we yeah, it was so awesome. It was so fun. And <laughs> and it and I, the the time in New York when yes. I had nothing after my divorce. Yes. Uh and I was there for 6 months. Looking back on it, it was like a stressful and like amazing time for myself because you're doing things that are nourishing yes. your fucking soul. Yes. And I told you, I left you a, an audio message the other day and I was saying to you that like during the hardest part of this last year, I was doing the most for my mental health. Yes. Um, you know, I was really trying to like maintain kind of a, a more a more present point of view i was meditating constantly uh i was reading i was really trying to like do some of like whatever we call whatever we think self-care is now i was really trying to do it and in a in most ways aside from you know work not being what i i wanted it to be or hoped it would be or a financial situation not being what i wanted it to be i was better then than i am when things are good. Well, and when things are good, I feel like we're trying to be 
everything to everyone all the time that we really end up being nothing for ourselves. We, oh. you know, like we we just kind of abandon and ignore our, like you just said, our mental health, our spirits. We don't nourish ourselves. And, you know, at the end of every single day, when I'm in work mode and and coming, you know, December has been a real big wake up call for me and not being in constant execution mode and not being in constant work mode. I mean, I'm still, you know, I'll answer emails and do stuff here and there, but it has really woke me up to the addiction that I have really created and how I use it as an excuse for why I can't do X, Y, or Z, why I can't you know, be a a more present parent or a better wife or just be better for myself or not be so critical um, because I, I use that as an excuse and I use my clients as an excuse. And I'm really, I think at the end of the day, it's what we've really quit is ourselves and we've abandoned the importance of nurturing our, our spirit and our joy and, um, just moving through the world with ease and feeling safe in your body and your brain and your, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like that's really what it comes down to is, you know, we end up quitting on ourselves. And while quitting can be great, like that's not one thing you want to quit. <laughs> I think that's what you need to put at the forefront of every day. And yes, you know, you and I really, try to meditate. I, you know, breathing is non-negotiable. Journaling is non-negotiable. But the, what is negotiable I found is the way that I talk to myself and the way I criticize myself and others. And, you know, it is a choice every day. And that is one thing that I want to quit. And I'm declaring that I want to quit is I want to quit leading my life with fear or anger or criticism or judgment. And that is going to be the hardest thing I probably ever do quit, but it's the most worthwhile because that will have just a ripple effect on everything else. And I think if all of us could do that a little more, it would be magical to see what, what manifests from that. Uh, you guys heard that here first. So <laughs> Um, let us know uh, what what you think about this episode. Uh, let us know how you feel about what we've talked about. Email us at podcast at rightwayco.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O. And uh, and tell us. Let's, uh, let's create a dialogue around this. We want to hear from you. Don't be afraid to quit. Hey, thanks again for listening to The Right Way Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need. For more information about Rightway, visit rightwayco.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services and sign up for our weekly newsletter where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses, and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers. 